needs you. So we ask that you, Christ, would send your spirit to help us uh, listen where we need to listen. To help us receive where we need to receive. And then to be uh, empowered to respond how we need to respond to you, even tonight. We pray this in, in your name, Lord Christ. Amen. Tonight, um, at the end of the sermon, uh, we're gonna, our prayer time is going to look a little bit different. Um, our prayer time is actually uh, going to be a time of lament. I don't know uh, how familiar you guys are with um, lament. I was going to say, on a scale of 1 to 10, how familiar are you? But um, it would not be easy to respond collectively. Um, my guess is that most of us, um, I uh, am not uh, super familiar with lament. Lament is a, a liturgical response to God, um, a response to the reality of suffering and pain and shame that exists in our lives and in the world around us. Uh, one of the reasons that I'm telling you about lament um, right now, at the beginning of the sermon, even though it's going to happen at the end of the sermon, is that uh, I want time um, for you guys to be aware of it and just to, um, to let it sink in, to, to let the Spirit reveal to you what needs to be revealed to you, um, rather than getting to the very end of the sermon and me kind of springing it on you guys and having to, like, brace yourself uh, for it. Lament is not easy. Lament Lament is hard. I'll say more about what lament is and what it means for us to lament together uh, at the end of the sermon. But su- suffice it for now to say that one of the reasons that we need to lament, that we will be lamenting, is that we live in a world that's really confused about how power and authority works. This isn't a new thing, this isn't a new phenomenon. This is a phenomenon that has been common to broken humanity throughout the ages. It was common in Jesus' day. Before Jesus' day, it was common in David's day. It was common in Abraham's day. It was common way back in the day of, of Noah and um, all the patriarchs. It's, it's a common thing. It's that we live in a world that has a messed up sense of how power and authority work. And we need to lament because... In our world, and even in our congregation tonight, uh, we have people who have both been perpetrators and victims of oppressive uses of power. So we're going to lament later. Last week, I, um, I told you guys about how uh, lately I'm learning that I have a fear of being poor. Um, not just financially poor, but the, the kind of poverty that's, that's fear of dependence, fear of weakness, uh, fear of not being in control. And so, uh, sort of uh, by extension in relation to that, I'm also learning that I have a fear of being powerless. Uh, uh, fear of being power, powerless. Um, for me, that means uh, not being in control of my environment and being able to um, 
control the circumstances of environment and even the people in my environment so that I can have it like I want it. And, and the way that I want it is, of course, the way that I will feel okay. So recently, um, I was reminded of this and because of how sleep works. I actually don't remember if it was last night or the night before. <laughs> but uh, let's call it the night before last night. Um, I was up with Ruthie at uh, 3.30 or so in the morning um, because I was trying to get Ruthie to blow her nose because she was, couldn't sleep and she would actually been crying because she was really stopped up. Um, and if you've ever tried to get a three-year-old who doesn't know how to blow her nose at 3.30 in the morning who, to like blow her nose, this is not like a situation where things go like you want it to go. And so I was, I was becoming so frustrated, so angry. And what I wanted to do in that moment of Ruthie not doing what I was asking her to do, not responding to me, was I wanted to power up and take control of that situation. In fact, I've learned throughout my life different, very sophisticated ways of powering up and taking control over my situation. Um, so that I can get what I want in different circumstances. The thing about this circumstance was that that wasn't working. And I felt so uh, out of control and powerless and angry and frustrated because of that. I have a deep fear of um, being powerless. Can you relate to this? To this fear? Um, The thing about the way that... um, oppressive power, uh, tyranny. The thing about the way that it works in our lives uh, is that it's not like we wake up in the morning and we want to be tyrants. (laughs) Right? Um, I don't want to wake up in the morning and I say to myself, today I'm going to act like a tyrant. I'm going to exercise oppressive and authoritarian control over others. It's that I wake up in the morning and in ways that I don't even realize it yet, I have a deep fear of being without power and I don't have imagination. I don't have an imagination for what it looks like to get things done or to respond to difficult circumstances in my life without taking control and powering up. I don't have an imagination of how to do that without throwing my weight around. And the thing is, it's easy to relate to others, um, to get things done, uh, to make a difference when your environment is exactly like you want it to be. And the people are a lot like you, and they're very agreeable with you. But when your environment isn't like you want it to be, when it's different, when there's struggle, when there's resistance, when people aren't exactly like you, and they don't think like you, and talk like you, and agree with everything you're saying, things get sticky, When something needs to be done and there's not an easy path, that's when we fall back on these tendencies to power up, to take control, to throw our weight around. When we are suffering under the oppressive control of others or we we see others who are suffering under tyranny, we have little imagination. We have little imagination for what it looks like to respond to those situations to make a difference, to do anything without mimicking the tyranny of the world or withdrawing and escaping into uh, little enclaves where everybody's, where we're safe and away uh, from, the, from the problems. We live in a world that needs to know who's in charge. 
We live in a world who needs to know who's in charge. And the way that we get things done is by being in charge, by us being in charge and other people not being in charge. Because if you're in charge, that means that I'm not in charge. And if you're different than me and you have different opinions than me and you think differently than me, then that could potentially be a threat to my well-being. And so in our world, we learn to calculate how to regain power, regain control so that we can be in charge. Have you experienced this? Have you seen this in your world recently? I know that it is election season. And there's a lot of who's in charge kind of mentality going around. And it's really easy for us to uh, point at the other side and, 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 and show how they're the ones who are wanting power and control. But we're not, not complicit in that too. Into this world of powering up and taking control, of not knowing how to get things done uh, beyond throwing our weight around, into this world, Jesus says, not so with you. Not so with you. Christ the King, tonight we proclaim the good news that Christ did not come among us as a tyrant. Christ did not come among us throwing his weight around, but Christ came among us as a servant. And what this means is that we are freed from the fear of being powerless. Christ the King, we are freed from the fear of being powerless, and we are given a new kind of agency. Jesus' kind of agency to serve and love others. And that means that we can engage our world, we can engage people around us, we can engage difficult situations in our own lives and in the world around us, we can engage the world in a way without having to mimic the tyrannical power of the world or withdrawing and escaping from it into our own little enclaves where everybody and everything is just like we want it. In Mark chapter 10... Our reading last week was in Mark chapter 10. We saw last week that, that attaching our lives to Jesus, becoming a disciple of Jesus, attaching our lives to him means being freed from the fear of poverty. We saw that last week. Being freed from the fear of poverty. And we're freed from the fear of poverty in order to join Jesus on his mission of downward mobility. That, being, that attaching our lives to Jesus means being included in, joined in Jesus' mission of downward mobility. And so now we see as an extension of that in verses 33 through 45 of Mark chapter 10 that Christ announces liberation from the fear of being powerless. He announces liberation from the fear of being powerless and thus freedom from the ways of lording it over others. Freed from zero-sum thinking, where if you have power, that means that I don't have power, and I need power, I have to take it from you in order for everything to be okay. Freed from manipulation, freed from coercion, and freed from all forms of violence. We see that Jesus' mission of downward mobility means a new way of being present in the world. A new way of engaging our world and engaging people in our world, whether they're close relationships or or our neighbors or people who are distant from us. A new way of being present in the world that doesn't look like lording it over others or giving up and withdrawing and escaping from the world. There's a way to be present and actually a way to be particular and confident and present 
without lording it over others or needing to escape. In Mark chapter 10, James and John come to Jesus asking Jesus for a favor. They're asking Jesus, allow us to sit uh, one at your right hand and one at your left hand. And this request wasn't just a request that had to do, man, that sun is just like right there. Let's see if I can, I'm sorry, Haynes. 